Okay, so now we're told that the two cameras outside of Jeffrey Epstein's cell um, on the night that he killed himself malfunctioned uh, on the very night of his alleged suicide. Uh, Reuters is reporting this now. The cameras are being sent to the FBI to investigate. Why did they both malfunction? I'm, I'm not sure why they're being investigated. I mean, there's nothing suspicious here at all. This is very... I have been repeatedly informed, repeatedly informed, that it's ridiculous and uh, irresponsible to engage in conspiracy theories about this. Um, there's, there's nothing to nothing to see here, really. It's just a totally normal thing. Um, there's no reason for any conspiracy theories. Epstein was a global sex trafficker with damning information on very powerful people who was taken off suicide watch and then broke his own neck with a bedsheet while his two prison guards slept and two cameras outside his cell simultaneously malfunctioned. I mean, there's nothing weird about that. Why would you get suspicious? It's, 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 it's all, this kind of thing happens every day. All right, if I had a dime for every time this kind of thing has happened, I would have enough money to buy a piece of hard candy in 1950. I mean, what's the other option here? Honestly, what, what, I mean, that it's either all this stuff is a coincidence and he killed himself. Um, so that's the logical option. Or what, that one of his extraordinarily powerful child rapist friends arranged for his murder in order to cover their tracks? Come on. Does that sound like the kind of thing a child rapist would do? Let, let's be real about this. You know, he happened to have a lot of friends, who, again, very powerful, very wealthy, politically connected they rape children. Um, and so, but does that mean that they would then do something as horrible as killing Jeffrey? I mean, just think about it for a second. Let's not be absurd about this. Besides, killing a witness who might testify against you. Now, that never happens. That That's, except for in Hollywood movies. All right. So yeah, you've seen movies where they do that, but that's that's Hollywood stuff. That isn't real life. Okay, it's not like they have entire programs like witness protection um, in place specifically because this sort of thing happens all the time. No, 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 no. That's, that doesn't exist either. I got news for you. That's, that's all in the movies. It is way, way, way more likely that the jail just happened to coincidentally transfer Epstein's cellmate to a different cell and take him off suicide watch while his guards coincidentally fell asleep and the cameras all coincidentally malfunctioned right as Epstein was breaking his own neck in multiple places with a bedsheet tied to a bunk bed. That's way more likely than that, you know, some powerful friends paid off a couple people and arranged for his murder. I mean, what, it, think about it, which requires more, I just, just stop, okay? Be reasonable. That's all. That's all I'm going to say about this. Tired of all the conspiracy theories. All right. Um, there's a lot of other things to talk about, though. Uh, uh, but before we get to that, I want to tell you about our friends over at ExpressVPN. Now, admit it, uh, when it comes to cybercrime, that's the kind of thing where you think uh, it happens to other people, it's not going to happen to you. And because what? You think, well, nobody wants your data. It's, uh, it's you know, you're not, a, you're not a, a, the kind of person people are coming after um, or that hackers can't grab your passwords, your credit card details. But with all that, I'm afraid to say it, I'm, I'm not trying to fear monger here, but with all of that confidence, it is misplaced. Fact is... Uh, stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. If you if you use public Wi-Fi, have you ever used the public Wi-Fi? You've been at Starbucks, you've been somewhere, plugged into the Wi-Fi. I mean, we've all done it on an airplane, whatever. Um, well, then you're 
you're exposed. And there's a, there's a, it's a very easy for, you wouldn't even need a very talented hacker to get in and get your information. When you leave your internet connection unencrypted, uh, you're basic, you might as well be writing your passwords and your credit card numbers up on a billboard somewhere for them to see. It's really as easy as that. So that's why to protect myself from cyber criminals, I use ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. ExpressVPN has easy-to-use apps, uh, so it's you know you don't need to know a lot about uh, this kind of stuff. I don't, but that's why I just hand it over to ExpressVPN, and it all runs seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, your tablet. Takes care of business. You don't need to worry about it. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Walsh. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Walsh for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Walsh. All right. Now that I've allayed all the conspiracy theories about Jeffrey Epstein, um, I want to... Uh, let, let's let's begin by talking about this Dave Chappelle thing. As you've probably heard, Dave Chappelle has a new comedy special, stand-up special out on Netflix. Came out on uh, Sunday night or Monday, I believe, and it's generated quite a lot of of outrage from the woke mob. Quite a lot. Now they're outraged about everything all the time. They're in a perpetual state of constant outrage, of course. Uh, so it all sort of bleeds together. But this has been even more heightened than usual. And why are they upset? Well, because Dave Chappelle is um, not attempting to be a progressive comedian. Uh, he's just a comedian, and he tells jokes, and he tells stories, and he gives his opinion without any concern for how it will be received or, or whether people will agree. Um, and these days, that's enough to make you public enemy number one. That's, a, that's enough to, to uh, put you in the metaphorical crosshairs. That's all, that's all it takes. And the other thing about Dave Chappelle in this special and in general is that he actually goes after sacred cows um, in our culture. I think there are a lot of comedians who get credit for being brave and for saying things other people won't say. But then when you actually listen to them, they're saying the same stuff everybody says. And what they're, and their comedy is very, very safe. Uh, it may ruffle feathers, but it's not going to ruffle it's going to ruffle the right people's feathers. In other words, it's going to ruffle the feathers of people who can't can't do you any harm. Uh, Chappelle doesn't do that. I mean, he's going after. He he spends time in uh, this uh, comedy special uh, talking about the the LGBT camp, and he goes into an extended riff on it. Now, progressives will tell you that, well, that's not brave at all. That's, that's, that's punching down. No, it's not. It's, it's really not. That's the kind of thing that ruins people's careers. That, that is the unmentionable. That, that's, that's the unspeakable stuff. You're not allowed to do that anymore. To tell jokes about the LGBT folks, you're, you can tell jokes about anybody else, but not them. I mean, anyone out there, the ones you're not allowed to touch anymore. And, uh, and that's the fact, but he does. And so that, that takes courage. Whether you agree or not, it doesn't matter. And this is part of what comedy is supposed to be. If you, if you as a comedian, if you identify an area that where it seems like people aren't allowed to tell jokes or you identify a group that people aren't allowed to joke about, then you joke about it for that reason, simply because you're not allowed to. That's part of, what, what, that's part of the service that comedians provide historically. 
Now, I watched the special myself. I'll say that um, I'll say that the the special is outrageously inappropriate and offensive. Um, he makes a number of very off-limit jokes. The humor is very dark at certain points. He jokes about things that that uh, you're not supposed to joke about. Um, it, it can get very morbid at other points. And it's also hilarious and it's brilliant. And I think that it's the most important comedy special of the last 20 years, easily. Um, I think it's it's uh, it's historic in some ways, not to overstate it, but but just that in 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 being a, a sort of broadside against PC culture, um, that's what makes it important. And I don't say that because I agree with everything he said. I don't. I disagree. I disagree strongly with some of it. But 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 who cares? Okay, I don't watch comedy. Um, so that I can agree with it. That's not the point. That would be a very boring reason to watch comedy. To sit down and, and you know, watch a, a, a comedy routine simply because you want to hear your own opinions spouted back to you. Okay, that, that's what cable news shows exist for, unfortunately. That's not what comedians are supposed to do. But that's apparently why many leftists watch comedy, and that's why they hate Dave Chappelle now. Um, and there have been a lot of long think pieces in left-wing publications about how terrible it is and so on. Let me read just one example. This is a, a review in Vice about of the Dave Chappelle special. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'll read a few bits and pieces of this. Uh, and it begins... You can definitely skip Dave Chappelle's new Netflix special, Sticks and Stones. You can, so we're giving, thankfully, Vice is giving us permission. They're saying, you can skip this one. Not just you can, you, you must. This, this is permission, but also an instruction. You're not, this you're not allowed to find funny. This is not funny. Um, but uh, then it goes on. The comedian doubles doubles down on misogyny and transphobia in both the special and the hidden bonus scenes that follow. Dave Chappelle made a return to Netflix Monday with a new stand-up special, Sticks and Stones. Fans quickly realize that if you watch until the very end, the special has a secret epilogue called The Punchline, where Chappelle answers questions from audience members who want who want to who went to his separate uh, Dave Chappelle on Broadway stand-up show last July. The special takes the comic's anti-wokeness shtick to a new level, and the whole thing is repetitive and exhausting enough that it's a slog to even make it to the Q&A. Um, at one point in his routine, he says he doesn't believe Michael Jackson molested young children. This time, which I disagree strongly with that, but again, that's not why I'm watching a comedy special. This time, those jokes included um, asking the audience how funny it would be if he was actually a Chinese person stuck inside a black man's body. And that would be kind of funny, which you guessed it also included a racist impression of a Chinese person. He also find which which can I stop right there? Um, it's not racist because Chinese is not a race. Uh, he also found time to defend fellow controversial comedians Kevin Hart and Louis C.K., painting them as victims of an overzealous callout culture. Can I just I just want to stop here again uh, to call Kevin Hart a controversial comedian? Kevin Hart. He's, if, if that's what qualifies as a controversial comedian, then, uh, then uh, the word contra- controversial just has no meaning. 
By the time the Q&A plays at the end of the special, Chappelle has already shown his unapologetic approach to courting controversy. His answers put that into even starker view. Um, uh, they talk about transgender people. Chappelle has always been a daredevil comedian willing to take a controversial stance or downplay a serious controversy for laughs, including how dare he. I mean, he's, 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 he's downplaying controversies for laughs. That's not what comedians are supposed to do. You're telling me he's out there trying to get laughs? How dare he? Uh, but now he chooses to blatantly ignore the historic criticism against his style of comedy and new loud and clear criticism from the trans community. His approach comes off like a defiant rejection of change at any cost. And he keeps going down this path, drawing attention to the worst aspects of his important career. The biggest cost will be tarnishing his own legacy. I mean, he's, he's up there ignoring the criticism. We have clearly told him that he's, stopped, he's supposed to stop saying these things, but he keeps saying them. He's ignoring us. I mean, he was criticized by the trans community, and he hasn't stopped. This is outrageous. This, this is what I, these people, uh, leftists, they, they really, I, I mean, if they, they can't wrap their head around, if they tell you to stop saying something or that it is, it's offensive and you keep saying it, they just, they can't even get their head around it. They're, they're like, what? How, you can't do this. We don't like it. Um, Oh, and here's a, here's a good bit from a BuzzFeed article titled, Dave Chappelle's new Netflix special is unnecessarily offensive. Um, he says, Chappelle still wants it both ways. He is willing to address criticisms of his earlier sets that were more flagrantly, lazily anti-trans, but not actually apologize or admit to changing his mind or express any meaningful empathy. In his 2017 special, Equanimity, he talks about receiving a letter from a white trans fan who received his who uh, criticized his transphobia, using the remark to essentially make more tired anti-trans jokes. And in a surprise epilogue to Sticks and Stones, he tells another story about Daphne, a trans woman who attended several of his sets in San Francisco. They chatted at the bar and Daphne thanked him for normalizing transgenders. The audience at Radio City Music Hall, where Chappelle told a story, applauds loudly. It's cringe-inducing, such a blatantly cynical, familiar move out of the old I have a marginalized friend so I can make this joke playbook. What is especially frustrating about Chappelle's trans jokes is how he essentially acts as if black trans people don't exist and as if black trans women in particular aren't more likely to be victims of violence. His truth-to-power comedy only works if he acts as though trans people and black people are wholly separate entities. It's enough to make you want to tie Chappelle to a chair and force him to binge-watch episodes of Pose. <laughs> uh, oh man, these people are, uh, they are such self parodies. Um, that's another reason why it's, I think it's brilliant that Chappelle is able to make funny jokes about them because it, it, it's actually, it's so easy in some, in some ways, it's so easy to make jokes about them that it's hard, uh, because the jokes are so obvious. when you have someone who's making a parody of themselves, how do you make a joke that's going to be funnier than what they're already doing? Um, uh, how do you make an observation aside from just look at that, look at what they're doing. But Chappelle's able to, to do that. Um, because again, this is comedy. Do you know what comedy is, leftist? Do you know what it is? I mean, it's a, it's a sincere question. Do you actually know what it is? Do you understand the point? A lecture about trans inclusiveness 
which is what both of these articles seem to want, would not be very funny. Now, whether or not we agree with it, it wouldn't be funny. It's just not, it, it, it would be like if I got offended that Chappelle wasn't up there uh, preaching about how Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. Now, I believe that he is our Lord and Savior, but that's that's not comedy. That wouldn't be, it wouldn't be a funny thing for him to do. So it just, it wouldn't make any sense um, in the context. Now, left-wing gender theory, as it happens, you know, is a ridiculous thing. And so there are many jokes to be made about it. And that's why he makes the jokes. And the fact that everyone in society pretends to take it seriously means that those funny things should be pointed out. Because that's what comedians are supposed to do. That's the job of a comedian. To tell jokes... And again, especially if you're, you know, the important comedians are going to tell jokes about things that you're not supposed to joke about. Meanwhile, um, a lot of people are talking about this bit from Chappelle's special, Chappelle's special, Chappelle's special, as I just put it. Uh, so let's let's uh, let's take a look at this. I'll be real with you, and I know nobody gives a f- what I think anyway. Uh, I'm not for abortion. Oh, shut up. (laughs) I'm not for it, but I'm not against it either. It all depends on who I get pregnant. And ladies, to be fair to us, I also believe if you decide to have the baby, a man should not have to pay. That's fair. If you can kill this mother, I can at least abandon him. It's my money, my choice. Okay, now his 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 overall point, and there was, it was a longer bit than that, and I don't have time to play the whole thing, but his overall point about abortion, I don't agree with. It's obvious that he's, you know, I, 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 think, it was, I, think, I think some conservatives and pro-lifers are overstating the case by saying that, you know, Chappelle's a pro-lifer, and this was a, I don't, it's pretty clear to me that he's not. But he does take the pro-abortion argument to its logical conclusion, and he and he he points out a very important uh, inconsistency in the pro-abortion position, which is that look, if and, and I've I've made this point myself many times, though I'm not Dave Chappelle, so nobody cares. But um, if we're saying that a mother has no duty, has no responsibility to her own child. If that's what we're saying. And that's, that is what the pro-abortion people are saying. And this is one of the reasons why I think on the pro-life side, one of our main arguments should be, it's, it's not even right to life, you know, the baby has a, has a right to exist, although the baby does have a right to exist. But I think in some ways the more important argument to make is about the responsibility of the mother. 
So we could talk all day about rights. What are rights? You know, and, and rights are, can sometimes be more, ab, even more abstract, di more difficult to pin down, especially these days. It's become a sort of muddled concept and everything is a right these days. Um, but responsibility, that's different. And the basic concept that we as parents have a special responsibility to our own child, that's a concept that everyone, it's a very clear, everyone understands that. Nobody disagrees with it, actually, in principle. Now, people want to make exceptions for unborn children, but when it comes to born children, everyone agrees. That, yeah, you have a, of course you have a, a special responsibility to your own child. But if, if we're saying that you, know, you could kill your child because you don't want your child, then that means, of course, you, don't, you have no responsibility to that child. The mother doesn't. And if the mother has no responsibility to that child, then neither does the father. And so if the mother says, you know what, okay, I, I want to keep the kid. She could have she could have gone either way. It's totally up to her. So that the, the father not only has no responsibility, but he has no right, no power, no say. He is completely irrelevant. That's what we're always told. That the uh, men need to shut up. They have no say in this. They have nothing to do with it. No uterus, no opinion. Well, if that's true, men have nothing to do with this, nothing to say about it. Their opinion doesn't matter. They have no rights, no responsibility. If that's true, then uh, then if, if the woman decides to have the baby, she's on her own, I guess. You can't all of a sudden say, okay, you know what? Actually, I'm going to keep the baby. So, yeah, I don't know. You, you, you need to have a lot to say now. Now this is, now, now you're, yeah, now, now this is your concern. Because I've decided that it is. No, 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 no. If you're going to make the argument that, hey, it's her body, she can make a choice. Okay, but she can't make choices for the man. Because that's, that, that's, that's not her body. If you're going to say that men should be legally required to take care of their own children, which I, that's what I believe, I agree. I think parents should be legally required. Both parents should be legally required to take care of their own kids, unless they're going to put the kid up for adoption. Um, but if we're going to say that, then that means that what you're telling me is that a man has a responsibility to his child, which, which, fine, I agree, good. But if a man has a responsibility to his child, then obviously the mother does too. And if the mother has a responsibility to her child, then at a minimum, that responsibility must mean that she's not allowed to kill him. So as Chappelle puts it, look, if I can't abandon him, then why are you allowed to kill him? All right, speaking of, um, let's see, do we want to do this? Maybe we'll save that. Yeah, we'll save that for for to, we'll save that for one for, for tomorrow because I had something else I wanted to talk about. Um, this is a report in the Daily Wire. It says earlier this week a video of U.S. national soccer team star Carly Lloyd uh, Lloyd kicking a fifty-five year old fifty-five yard field goal went viral. Her trainer James uh, Galanis told Fox Sports that one NFL team had expressed interest in hiring her. Galanis told Fox reporter Martin Rogers today she got another call from another NFL team 
the one that uh, that called today, I don't want to say who it was, was willing to put her on the roster for the next game. That would be a preseason game. Galanis continued uh, saying, anyway, that she he thinks that she's, she'd be a great field goal kicker. Now Lloyd is saying she's considering the idea. She spoke with Jeff uh, Skiversky of ABC6 Philadelphia on Wednesday, and he asked, this has been coming up a lot, how much do you continue to think about pursuing an NFL job? Lloyd answered, yeah, it's been something that's turned into a casual day out at the Eagles practice, just hitting some field goals. And then she talks about how she's considering uh, all of these different offers. Um, and, and I don't know if I read that part, but this is a, she's a, she's 38 years old, I believe. Carly Lloyd. And now she's saying that she's considering offer. Allegedly, she's been getting offers from NFL teams. And, um, and now we might get our first female field goal kicker. And I've seen, I've seen people online cheering this and say, oh, wouldn't that be great? And we'd have our first female NFL player would be historic and so on. I'll just tell you, as somebody who watches football avidly, and it's become very apparent to me that many of the people chiming in on this topic haven't watched it at all. As someone who watches football, I, I agree that having a female NFL player, even a kicker, would be historic. But one of the reasons why it would be historic is that it would probably lead to the first ever death on an NFL field. I mean, you put a woman on an NFL field as a player, and she will literally get killed out there. I mean, she will literally die. I, and that's, I'm not, it's not a joke, not exaggerating. That really will happen. You put a 38-year-old, 140-pound soccer-playing female on an NFL field with a bunch of 300-pound muscle-bound men who can run a 40-yard dash in, in you know, 4.5 seconds. Um, uh, for 300 pounds, are probably, probably maybe more for like 4.7 seconds, 4.8. But still, the point is they're very fast. You put, you, you combine those things and she, her life is in danger. Now, even for those 250, 300 pound men, their lives are in danger. I mean, there are even just this, uh, this in the last week or two, there have been two uh, male football players who are retiring from the league because their bodies can't handle the abuse anymore. These were all-star players, Gronkowski and, and Andrew Luck. So you put this woman on the field. I mean, this is, this is such a terrible idea. I don't think it will actually happen, at least not yet. Probably eventually it will. Um, I think eventually the NFL is going to give in to its politically correct urges, as it has a tendency to do, and it's going to pressure one of these teams to put a to 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 hire a female kicker and it's going to be a terrible disastrous idea um that i don't want to see happen and not because i don't want to see women playing football because i'm a sexist although i have no interest in watching women play football because they just aren't very good at it but uh that's not the issue it's i don't want to see a woman get killed on the field and that is what will happen it is what will happen absolutely terrible idea first of all a couple things here first of all Again, not taking anything away from uh, from what's her name, Carly Carly Lloyd. Not taking anything away from her, but just because you can drill a fifty five year old a fifty five yard field goal in practice, that doesn't mean you can do it in a game at game speed with pads on. 
That's that's there's one problem here is that she's not wearing pads when she does this. And she also doesn't have a bunch of NFL defensive linemen bearing down on her. So just because you can do it in practice doesn't mean you can do it on in, in the NFL. And aside from that, yeah, I mean, kickers are not taking the same physical abuse that a linebacker is going to take or a running back's going to take or even a quarterback's going to take. But the fact is, if you're a kicker, you're you're on a and you're playing a game, you're you're in the middle of the action. And you're gonna you're going to absorb some contact. If you play long enough, unless injuries knock you out before then, if you play long enough, you're going to absorb a lot of contact, even as a kicker. Kickers um have to be able to at least attempt to make a tackle if they get a blocked kick or if there's a busted play. And on a busted play, a, the kicker can get tackled. If there's a busted play, kicker's got to pick up the ball and run with it. They can get they can get laid out. And defensive players love that. They love the chance to tackle a kicker. On kickoffs, now assuming she'd be handling kickoff duties too, unless, unless you're going to have a team that has her just doing field goals and then hires a separate person to do kickoffs, which will be a total waste of a, of a roster spot. You, gotta, you only get 53 men on a game day roster. To give one of those up for an extra kicker is just not something that I think any NFL team is going to want to do. So assuming she's handling kickoff duties too, then she's got to run down the field. You have a, this 140-pound woman running down the field on a special teams play, full speed, as she's got blockers coming right at her. Again, 250-pound men, and they're only these are special teams players. Their their only job, if you're on the if you're on the, the kick return team, and you're not receiving the ball. And you're a blocker. Your job is to pick someone on that field that's coming at him and just lay him out. That's what your job is. And these guys love doing it. You're going to put a woman in that environment? Just absolute. It's not even funny because of the result, which would be brutal. So, no, this is, I, I again, I agree, I agree that probably eventually this will happen. And it, I mean, it might destroy the NFL. There's not a lot that could bring down the NFL behemoth, but a woman getting killed on the field might do it. So for Carly Lloyd's sake, I hope that uh, this, this doesn't pan out. All right. Let's go to emails, mattwalshow at gmail.com, mattwalshow at gmail.com. This is from James. says, Dear Matt, I've, uh, I'm a recent follower of you and other daily wirer, wirers, if you will. No, please, if you won't. Wirers. It's a difficult word to say. I've thoroughly enjoyed hearing your various takes on modern day issues so far. I co-run, I co-run an Ask blog on Tumblr where I pretend to be video game characters answering letters from real-life fans. I don't know what that means. I, James, I, I don't know what I just read. I co-run, okay, I understand that, co-run, so you're running with someone else. An ask blog. What is an ask blog? I guess it's a blog where people ask questions, where I pretend to be video game characters answering letters from real life. Sorry, I know this wasn't the point of your email. I'm just trying to figure out what's going on here. All right, um, recently I've reached over 12,000 followers. Wow. I happen to be a right-leaning Christian, so this next part shouldn't be too surprising. Since I started, I've been accused of racism, ableism, transphobia, a few other things, all of which I plead not guilty to. The worst that can honestly be said about me is that I've occasionally been insensitive. 
To be fair, that's all too easy to do nowadays. What video game characters do you pretend to be? Like Mario? Donkey Kong? That's how up-to-date my video game knowledge is. When I hear video games, I still think, you know, Super Mario World, Donkey Kong, Sonic. Since I'm sure you can relate to false and exaggerated accusations like these, I'd like to ask what you think is the best strategy for finding a balance between boldness and sensitivity. In other words, what's the best way to be inclusive without being afraid of accidentally offending someone? Thanks a bunch, and God bless. James, I'll make this very short, which is out, out of character for me. In these times when trying to strike the balance between boldness and sensitivity, err on the side of boldness. That's all. This is from Thomas. It says, hey, Matt, glad you got a vacation in. As an avid angler myself, I was curious when you said uh, you went fishing on a lake, what species were you targeting and how did, how did you do? I'm partial to inshore saltwater fishing myself, but I do like to fish wherever they're biting. So I have been known to land pike and largemouth every once in a while. Glad to have, back, have you back. Uh, I was fishing for largemouth mostly, Tom. A few pickerels uh, you know, were there, so I caught a few of those, but mostly largemouth. I'd say I went, you know, did pretty well. Largest I caught was, I didn't have my scale with me. So I'm going to say my largest was seven pounds, but it was probably more like four. And then I caught a bunch of two-pounders, so nothing huge. Uh, I didn't hit any home runs, but I was, I was uh, getting a lot of uh, solid singles and doubles, I guess, for the week. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, this is from Philip says, hi, Matt. I just listened to episode 320 with what you're saying about affairs of politicians and that people like that can't be trusted. I'm wondering how you'd make the argument that anyone who agrees with what you're saying could ever vote for Trump or basically any other high level politician. Love your show. Keep up the good work. Well, Philip, yeah, we talked about this yesterday in regards, the thing that brought it up anyway, was Ilhan Omar, this, the allegations made in court documents that she, um, is a homewrecker, essentially, that she cheated on her own husband with a married man, and that that led to the dissolution of the married man's marriage, and um, and I guess maybe allegedly her own marriage as well. And I said that, you know, we're told, well, this is personal, and it's not any of our business, and we, we, we can't make any judgments on it. It's got nothing to do with us as voters. I disagree. I think it it tells us something, obviously, about a person's character if they're an adulterer. And so that is going to have a bearing on what we do with our vote, in my view. Now, Trump definitely is not exempt from this. Okay, I'm not going to be a craven little wimpy coward and pretend that, you know, when, when I'm talking about this, that Trump, you know, pretend I forgot about Trump's issues. I didn't forget about them. Um, and I would not call Trump a trustworthy or loyal person by any stretch of the imagination. And anyone who would use those words to describe him is just a mindless sycophant who you can't even take seriously. I mean, the guy clearly is not trustworthy or loyal at all, at all to anyone. Um, especially his, his, uh, his own family members. Um, you know, he's cheated on all of his spouses, all three of them, repeatedly, including when they were pregnant. Okay, his wife is pregnant, he's out cheating on him. I mean, th- this is, that speaks to his character. It just does. However, if you, if you survey the options 
and you decide that even taking his considerable negative character traits into account, he's still the best option of the bad options, then I think it's perfectly valid to vote for him. Um, But yes, again, you can tell a lot about a person uh, by how they treat their spouses. You can't, it's not going to tell you everything about them, but it tells you a lot about them. This is supposed to be the most important person in your life and the person to whom you have made the most important promise you will ever make to anyone. I mean, you have looked them in the eye in front of witnesses and promised to be loyal and faithful to them. And if you're willing to break that promise and break it repeatedly with multiple people, as Trump has done, as Clinton did, then yes, that tells you a lot. That tells us a lot about you. A lot. But um, you still have to take into consideration the diabolical evil of his opponents. And that's why I didn't say, I, I never said that if a politician cheats on his wife or on her husband, we can never vote for them. I, I wouldn't say that. And there certainly are many examples in history of men who were unfaithful and were terrible husbands and terrible fathers, yet were good leaders. There are, I don't even need to go into examples because immediately 10 examples pop into your head. So there, we know that that happens in history. But the point is that those examples you can think of, they were good leaders in spite of how they treated their family. So they had these enormous character flaws. Enormous. I mean, if you fail as a husband and a father, then you have failed in a profound way. This is not a small detail, right? But for the, for the people in history who have been great leaders, even though they were terrible family men, it is, again, it's in spite of that. It, it, all that tells us is that these were great people in the sense that they just had their their other positive qualities were so tremendous, so significant, so overarching that it was able to, to compensate even for these uh, enormous character flaws, character defects. So what we have to ask, so, so with any given politician, you know, you have to take all this into account. You have to say, yes, uh, this, is a, this is an incredible character flaw. But do their other positive aspects somehow over, override it as far as voters are concerned? Um, and then you have to look at their opponents and you take all that in consideration and you make your decision. But my point is simply that the affairs and all that, that you do, that is one of the things you take into consideration. It's not the only thing, but it is, it is something at least. No matter what letter is next to the person's name. This is from Lindsay says, hi, Matt, you talked about kids napping yesterday on your show. I've always wondered why kids hate to nap so much. I love it as an adult, though I rarely get the opportunity. Yeah, I, uh, I think this is one of a bunch of areas, Lindsay, where, where kids have the right idea, um, really. Even though I agree with you, I think kids have the right idea. I think they probably have a better attitude about it, even though it's annoying and I can't relate the kids not wanting to nap. Like, like my, my two-year-old, my two-and-a-half-year-old, he loses his mind every time it's time for a nap. Every day when it's nap time, he, he just loses. We go up to him, you know, you tell him, okay, buddy, time for a nap. 
and he reacts like a man who's just been sentenced to death. It's, 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 it's like a man in a courtroom who's been sent to death row. He, just, he, he literally falls to the ground on his knees and throws up his hands like, no, no. Uh, that's what he does. Please, no, don't make me, no. Uh, and I've tried to explain to him, like, buddy, we, we are bringing you to a cool, dark room where, quiet room, where you can relax for as long as you want, in peace and quiet. Nobody will disturb you. In fact, extraordinary efforts are going to be made behind the scenes to make sure that nobody disturbs you. My wife, when it comes to, you know, keeping people away from the napping baby and keeping people quiet, she's like a, she's like a ninja. If you walk by a room where a kid is napping and you even cough, my, my, my wife will like rappel down from the rafters out of nowhere. It's like, shh, shh, baby's sleeping. So that's what is going to happen. I'm trying to explain this to him. This is what's going to happen just to make sure that you get peace and quiet. Do you know what I would do for that? You can relax as long as you want without being disturbed. Do you realize how long it's been since I could relax for as long as I wanted without being disturbed? I'll tell you how long it's been. Okay, we started having kids seven years ago. It's been seven years. That's how long it's been. But he doesn't get it. And and, and here's my point. Maybe he's right not to get it. I mean, can you imagine, can you really, can you imagine loving being awake so much, loving life so much that you treat sleep like it's death itself? I mean, can you imagine just being so enthralled by existence that you never want to close your eyes even for a second, that you, you break down into tears and are traumatized by the thought of just having to lay in your bed for a couple of hours? That you're that excited about everything. And you just want to be awake all the time. Can you imagine having that attitude as an adult? I can't. Because as an adult, it's exactly the opposite. You spend the whole day just longing to go to sleep again. You wake up. What's the? I mean, you wake up in the morning. What's the first thing you think? It's like, oh, I can't wait to go to bed again. It's the first thing you think. But my kids, they wake up and they're just like like a rocket ship. They just they wake up and half a second later, they're running around the house. They wake up and I mean they're practically my son, okay, my my oldest son, he wakes up singing. I mean, he wakes up and he starts singing within 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 seconds. He's running around, running around the house, singing. At 6 a.m. That's how happy he is to be awake. I uh, I envy that. I really do. Uh, it is so completely foreign to me now at this point in my life. It is exactly the opposite of my attitude. Singing in the morning is just something I can't even conceive of. Um, but that's, that's kids. So yeah, I think, uh, and, and, and that's, that's one of the hard things about being a parent is that there are so many things with kids where they sort of have the right attitude really, but you have to break them of it anyway. You feel like, 
So my kids hate going to sleep. They love being awake, but I, you know, they got to go to sleep. They got to take naps. They got to sleep at night. And so I have to break them of that. I basically have to stop loving life so much. I mean, you can love it, but not this much. Just love it a little bit less. All right. Just, just a tiny bit less. Can you kind of a sad thing? All right. Um, we'll leave it there. Thanks everybody for watching. Thanks for listening. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, and The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Robert Sterling, associate producer Alexia Garcia Del Rio, executive producer Jeremy Boring, senior producer Jonathan Hay, our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our technical producer is Austin Stevens, edited by Donovan Fowler. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. If you want to delve the depths of leftist madness, head on over to The Michael Knowles Show, where we examine what's really going on beneath the surface of our politics and bask in the simple joys of being right. Right.